people either have a mindset that they're not worthy or that they can't do it. So we either have underachievers when it comes to money, meaning they just can't quite earn enough no matter what. And then we have overachievers with money, meaning they bury themselves through just earning more money and they get caught up in that. And really with this dialogue that I'll just go make more money. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities in order to qualify the sponsor in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's us today? Christina Wise. How you doing, Christina? I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear that and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about you. She is a real estate investor, a millionaire coach, and creator of several multi-million dollar businesses. She's the author of Falling for Money, and she's based in Austin, Texas. And go check out her website. There's a link to it in the show notes page. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Well, most of my background was in real estate. So that's my claim to fame. Had a leading real estate brokerage, nationally known as a real estate disruptor, innovator, and played that game for a long time, got really sick in 2013, fell off the grid because I needed to go into life-saving mode. And coming out of that, I had this really aha moment on my proverbial and literal deathbed. Number one, money matters more than anything because in my case, money saved my life and not earning income that most people talk about business income, earning income, how to make more money, how to grow your business, how to scale your business, how to 10X your business, whatever the case is. It's that... I was able, because I had a great business going that was leveraged and could work without me. One, I had some income coming in, but number two, because I had liquid cash and other maybe not so liquid assets, I was able to save my life, have the money and have access to what ultimately saved my life. It cost me a quarter million dollars to save my life unconventionally. So at the same time, I also realized that life isn't just all about the money either because I was so money and investment and passive income focused and business focused and success focused and achievement focused. I was missing my life. And then all of a sudden realized like, holy cow, like I've been so focused on achievement. I've not really even enjoyed my life. In fact, I don't even know what enjoying my life means other than to make more money. Mm -hmm. So I really went on this search after that to figure out, okay, what am I good at outside of real estate? And what do I want to do for the rest of my life if I get another chance? And it just kind of came to me that I love teaching people about money, the importance of it, how to earn it, how to save it, how to invest it, and the meaning behind that. And just kind of get out of this grind and out of this game of more and -hmm. just getting content with how much is enough and what are we after and how do we get there and how do we enjoy our life while we're creating and producing and building and growing our balance sheet. At what point did you write that book, Falling for Money? I wrote that right after I came out of being sick. And funny enough, in 2012, before I got sick, if anybody had said, Christina, you're going to be a financial author, you're going to teach money, money mastery, money investing, this is what you're going to do, I'd have been, you're crazy. You know, I'm in real estate sales, brokerage, technology, advisory, that type of thing, that this is my world. And so I'd have said, no, there's no way. 
So after I came out of being sick, I actually just sat down to write a blog article for the few people that I fell off the face of earth, the few people that still was wondering who I am, which by the way, is very humbling because we think we're really important. And then once we're out of the game for a few months, people go on to the next person that's important. So it's really humbling. Whoa, I'm not as important or great or as amazing as I thought I was. The real estate world went on just fine without me. But the few people that were still maybe hanging on and wondering, I thought I'll sit down and write a blog article, say, hey, I've been really sick. I've been out of the game, but I've come back. Just a, a little bit of an update. I wasn't given the full story, but given an update. And just the most amazing thing happened. Also, if somebody would have said, you're going to be an author and write a book, I'd been like, I can't write. I'll never be an author. That's not on my goal sheet. And anybody sat down and a book came out of me, just a muse took over, a book came out of me. And it was all about money and this journey and how important it is. And that was my message that says, all right, Christina, this is your next phase of your life is to help people get really good at money and investing and to work towards financial freedom, like for real. In your book, it talks about establishing a healthy love affair with money. Will you define that a little bit to talk about what that means? Yeah, the way I think about money, it's really looking to have an intimate relationship with it. We tend to be so screwed up when it comes to money. One, people either have a mindset that they're not worthy or that they can't do it. So we either have underachievers when it comes to money, meaning they just can't quite earn enough no matter what. And then we have overachievers with money, meaning they bury themselves through just earning more money and they get caught up in that. And really with this dialogue that I'll just go make more money, but one way or another, they're just in the grind and there's no real meaning to it other than just love of having more. So our egos get attached to having more money and then what money can buy and being on that achievement track and just that external validation track. So really where I wanted to take the reader was how about we reverse engineer it and just get really good. Like what is our definition of a good life and what is meaningful and how much is enough to live that good life? Meaning how much is enough to live the lifestyle that we're good and content and we have space and time and we're just not overwhelmed and stressed and after the more game. And then with that, just really learning to love the money and what it can do and having really positive emotions about it that are healthy and are connected to a really healthy narrative and healthy goals. And our body is our number one asset as well, that a big part of our investing isn't just in real estate, isn't just in some type of assets to build our net worth and our balance sheet. But if our body is our number one asset, one of the reasons why I got so sick is I just lived a life that was unsustainable. I was just on the go all the time. And I didn't even slow down because I was in the race for more. So if our bodies are number one asset, it's like, okay, how do we even organize our thoughts and feelings and real dollars around investing in us, investing in our well-being, investing in our health, mental, physical, emotional health, investing in what's important to us, experiential, and again, getting closer and connected to a narrative we build of what truly is a good life outside of this concept of more. And then with that, we can be very grateful for the money that we have and that we earn and make it a life journey to grow. We never want to stop growing. We never want to stop learning, but it's more about growth and learning experience and it is about more money. But then at the same time, make no mistake, it's getting really good with the money for the right reasons because we have a really positive relationship with it and we're after money for the good it can do for ourselves, our families, our legacies. So what are some practical tips if the listeners are nodding their heads like, yes, that sounds great. I want to be more about growth and experience 
And when I think about money, I want to have positive associations with it. So it empowers me and propels me into things that are better for me health-wise and I'm able to do more good versus just chasing after a dollar for the sake of increasing my ego, either consciously or subconsciously. So assuming they're nodding their heads, yes. So what are now some practical tips that we can do to act on that? Well said. And that's just it. I think step one or tip one is recognizing whether or not we're in the chase and what I call in the grind. So I have a lot of people, for example, that work with me and they're earning a million dollars a year take home from their business or usually at that high income from their business, but they still are after the chase, meaning it's just, where do I go from here? Well, I guess I'll make $2 million and live that lifestyle. So it's just starting from A and going to Z and then figuring out where do we get to the place of enough? And the answer is, is there's never enough with that model because wherever we are, there's someone else to compare to that's doing better, has more. So all we can do is never be satisfied, never reach a place of enough. So my tip is to start backwards. Again, it's really sitting down and looking at what does my life look like? To have a good life that isn't stressed out, that isn't overwhelmed, isn't building a bigger business with more employees and more problems. Where's my happy spot? What do I see myself doing for real? And it takes a while. It's not necessarily easy to do because it takes space and time to even sit down and conceptualize this. So it's looking at that and then it's quantifying it. Then it's like, okay, how much money does it cost to live that life? And I like to say, take out a mortgage payment. So if you don't have a mortgage, you don't have any car payments or credit card payments, you're, we're kind of taking out the debt. So if we don't have debt payments, how much would it cost on a monthly or annual basis to live the life that I want? That includes some travel and includes, I don't know, whatever your good life looks like and quantify that. And then my philosophy is we don't need car payments. We don't need all these other payments. We should be debt-free anyway, like consumer debt, business debt's fine. Maybe we have a mortgage we can add on that. But then it's just very easy to quantify how much does it cost to live my good life. And that's the goal number. Maybe we'll surpass it. Probably will when we look at this. But number one, the number is probably a lot smaller than we think it will be when we do that exercise and do that work. So then we can look at, okay, that's my net worth number that I'm after. And then we can work backwards and we create a plan as far as how much money do I need to invest over what time period to hit that, what I call the good life number as quickly as possible, whatever time frame that is. And then from reverse engineering, now we're looking at what's my investment strategy? What type of investments am I looking at? Is it a short game or a long game? Am I okay? Do I need to do this over the next 10 years or do I have 20 years to play with? But we can work this backwards. And that's all getting to what I call that good life number, that financial freedom number, because the money game, when we know how much money is enough that we're kind of after, hopefully we can blow it out. But that number alone can take some of the stress out. And then we're living and working and building towards hitting a number that has real meaning, that's attached to a real future narrative that we really want. Not, it doesn't have to be exotic and luxurious and gold streams and yachts and caviar. I mean, it can be, but I think for most people, that's not what they would want anyway. It can be much simpler and much more meaningful for some. So once we know that, then that's what we're working towards. And sometimes when we're looking at the earning game, we don't have to build a $30 million business to hit that number. Maybe we can get to a five or $6 million business and not have the stress of the headaches because maybe 
I don't want the trade-off of having 50 employees or 100 employees or that type of thing. I want space and freedom and time, and I want to be able to have as few obligations as possible. So for me, when I've done that number, and what I value most is my time and flexibility and freedom to do when I want, when I want, and how I want, with whom I want, then that means for me, my business numbers are smaller than maybe somebody else's, like my business goals. So once we work back, again, it just gives us more meaning. It gives us more direction. It gives us real numbers so we know what we're working for. And it keeps us mostly out of the more game. It helps us not overspend and not live lifestyles that ultimately will probably get us in trouble and steer us away and send us on a different trajectory than the one that we're after. What if after we create the plan to hit the good life number, as you call it, it's clear that we're going to need to, based on our current approach, have a company that has 30 or 40 employees, but we don't want that. But in order to hit our number, we have to build that up. What would you say? Well, our business is one way to get there. It's ultimately, however, you're going to generate enough income to produce, to have enough money to invest so that you can start to build your asset value, build your net worth, because ultimately the money game, if we're after financial freedom, the only real financial freedom means the cash flow or the income from our assets replaces our working income. So when non-working income replaces working income, then we have our freedom. That means I don't have to go into work today if I don't want to. I can close my business tomorrow if I want to because all my assets are generating enough money to be able to pay for my cost of living. So that's where I am. And that was my goal is I just wanted to get to the place where I earned enough, invested enough and had my plan to get me to a place of financial freedom as quickly as possible. And I got there quicker because my lifestyle expense isn't as high as maybe a lot of people in my income bracket. So my current lifestyle, it's a great lifestyle. I'm by no means done and I'm still in the earning game and I'm still growing and I got divorced last year and lost half my net worth. So I have to be back in the earning game anyway. But the idea is that like all my asset, all my real estate passive income and my other asset income and everything that I'm doing, that amount of money from those assets pays for the cost of my life. So now I get to choose what I'm going to work on and how much time I'm going to spend and that type of thing. And if I want to increase the cost of my lifestyle, I mean, I want to add more to it. That means now I need to go earn a lot more to invest a lot more so that my assets are even going to grow to match my upscaled lifestyle. It's an ongoing game, but ultimately it's all about how much income do we need to earn basically and what are the methods for earning that income that we have enough surplus to invest to build our balance sheet, assuming that our business isn't our exit strategy, which is really risky and or we don't have a trust fund that somebody else put all that money away for us to live off of. Which we would just lose it later anyway. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So what are some successful investments or approaches that you've taken that have turned out well for you? Well, I'm always looking at my overall portfolio and we've all heard the word diversification and that type of thing. But why I love your show and conversations like this is to really try to help people break out of conventional wisdom and conventional planning and just conventional advising, meaning put money in the stock market, do some index funds, that type of diversification and do some bonds and just whatever that more traditional retirement type old school mentality is. That's not the way we build wealth and get rich. So these conversations, it's in the alternative investing world. So when I'm looking at diversifying my portfolio, one, I like to talk about our balance sheet. It's a living organism, meaning the old school finance, it's set it and forget it, put the money in those quote unquote retirement accounts, let these money managers take their fees and manage it. And hopefully you'll have enough at this thing called retirement. 
that's very risky. It doesn't work anymore. And there's a lot of other options. There used to not be other options, but now there are. So when we're looking at an alternative, this is a living, breathing balance sheet is like what I like to talk about it and look at it. I mean, it's always changing. You're always kind of in it and working it and saving, investing for the next thing and looking at different options in this alternative realm of investing that is way outside of convention. So obviously real estate is an alternative investing. We love real estate for many different reasons, but I don't want to be over leveraged in real estate because anything that's not diversified is a little risky. So I'm looking at my living thing, like any type of investment, I'm always saving to have enough money to make that next installment and some type of investment. And usually in $50,000 chunks is what I'm looking at. So I might want to put 150 in or 250s in or 350 for 50 to 150 type of chunk investment. But I like to think in $50,000 chunks of savings. So then I'm looking at, all right, well, if I'm looking at my portfolio and think of it as a pie chart and I'm looking at my overall, let's say 60% in real estate, I am heavy in real estate because I'm in real estate. I love real estate and I get it and it's my passion and maybe a buy hold type cash flow. But I'm always going to have a percentage that's a little riskier that I might put into other businesses, business ventures where I might have some influence and maybe can do some advising and that meet my criteria for more private equity and not traditional private equity, but private equity, meaning investing in real estate in companies that are people that I know that are starting businesses or going, I usually don't like seed capital, but looking for growth, need some capital from scale and some growth. I'm looking at some alternative stuff like life settlements or things that tend to be a little bit more on the growth side. I'm always looking at maybe putting in some funds. Like I have real estate. I mean, I have money in a big real estate fund, a women's entrepreneurs fund and things where I'm investing a percentage in the fund and let the fund managers try to go for an exit, kind of a a VC type model. There's just so many different options that are available today that are really exciting. And it's fun to learn about these things and have money in different places. And some of these, like a real estate fund that I just exited out of, it was a seven-year play. It was a great investment, by the way, because it was when the market was really down, invested in Phoenix and Florida when everybody said, stay away from those markets. But great investments. And then those developments, that fund just sold out. And it was beautiful check that landed in my bank account. So those are looking at, okay, this is probably a five to seven year play. I may collect a little bit of cash flow or dividends, but I'm really for the growth and for just the, the ROI on that as opposed to cash flow. So I'm just looking at balancing out how much cash flow, how much growth, how much private equity, how much is pretty risky, how much is pretty safe. I'm a big believer in whole life insurance as a cash savings, a savings vehicle. And again, I'm just always building it. It's always leaving. And I just put in, I guess, in fact, I'm actually right in the middle of it. I'm just online right before we're talking, in fact, and I'm about ready to put in two $50,000 investment installments, one in an oil and gas opportunity, another one in a life settlement opportunity and looking at those. And then that's taken out of cash and I'll save some more and build those up and look for the next investment. So again, it becomes very normal and fun and you learn a lot when you have great options and advisors and people around you, then you'll make some mistakes, but you kind of learn with time. And I guess I'll complete by saying that I just really encourage people to love their money to be very intimate with it, know where every dollar goes, get really great at saving so that you can start learning to invest. There's many options like you guys out there and just work on growing your balance sheet to get closer to that good life number, that freedom number and live the life you want. Don't live somebody else's. And then taking a step back and just thinking about it from your overall experience as an investor and as an entrepreneur, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Just get started, just invest and find great people. 
biggest thing is that people don't invest. They'll talk about it. They'll do research. They'll read the blog. They'll listen to your podcast and they just won't take action. And my advice is invest, just take action and get your feet wet and learn as you go. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Let's see what you got. All right. Let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. What if you could earn 10,000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more. Okay, best ever book you've recently read. Dollars and Cents by um, Jeff, oh, I can't think of his last name, but great book on just how people misthink their money. That's one of my latest reads and what I recommend. Best ever deal you've done? Ooh, best ever deal I've done. My best deals have been buying real estate in Austin, Texas. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Oh gosh, I've made so many mistakes. My biggest mistakes are not reading the fine print. Any particular fine print that you can think of that got you? Oh, my piece of advice to this would be hire experts, hire real attorneys and spend money to read the fine print (laughs) because (laughs) yeah, I try to save the money and just try and think, oh, I don't need those attorneys and they're worth their weight in gold. So hire the experts. Best ever way you like to give back. Oh, I love teaching money. I just really love to help people learn and how to apply financial concepts that can get them out of the rat race. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Probably the best way is uh, my book is called Falling for Money. So just go to fallingformoney.com and get a free download for your audience. And my name is Christina with a K and two S's. So christina.com, you can read my blogs or find my podcast or plenty of info out there if anybody wants to see what I'm up to. You have christina.com? I do with a K and two S's, K-R-I-S-S-T-I-N-A. Unconventional spelling, but still that's impressive to have just your first name.com. Yeah. Nice. Well, Christina, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing the approach that you take from a mindset standpoint with finances and how you think about it. And we talked about this in depth already, but just really, I love the practical tips too that you gave about really laid out the step-by-step process, which I have not read your book, but I have read a summary of your book, just whatever's on Amazon. And I know you have that laid out in detail in your book. So best ever listeners, if you want that more in detail, then go grab her book. So thank you so much for being on the show. Really enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. What if you could earn 10,000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.